Serenitas. And as always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? Doing good, good boys. How are you? Good. 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 Coughing up a storm here. It's that time of year now where getting sick is uh, a national pastime. It's, it's amazing to me. Everywhere you go now, somebody's either coughing or sneezing or doing something. So sign of the times and something else that makes it hard about living up here is, is you become homebodies and everybody spreads around their sickness. In any event, do want to remind you that we are brought to you by Mortgage Right. Give our good friend Herb Devine a call at 781-254-2846 or email him at situate.mortgageright.com. If you are ready to sell your current home or buy your first home, you need an experienced loan officer and lender to work with you. That's Herb Devine with over 25 years of experience in the business. He truly is one of the best in the business, a true pro's pro. Give him a call and email him today. He is ready to help you on your next real estate purchase. Again, give him a call at 781-254-2846 or shoot him an email at situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends to help you. All right, gentlemen, we start every week's show talking about the Patriots. Uh, Kevin, you and I were up there yesterday. We did the post-game show. I think it's fair to say we can keep this short and sweet. Another bad loss. I thought we were entering the portion of the schedule where these were, quote, winnable games now. That seemed to be the prevailing thought after the Buffalo upset a couple weeks ago. No, they can't beat these teams either. And quite frankly, I think now we have to call it like it is. They, they are not a good football team. The season is over. They're playing out the string. They're the team that teams are now considering a winnable game on their schedule. Adam, go ahead. I talked okay. about yesterday. Uh, all right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's funny. Like, I still I still sometimes think they can pull out of it somehow, but it's too late now. They're, I mean, they're not they're not a, a sure thing to beat anybody. It's it's just it's so bad for them. And um it's just hard to find out what they really do well on offense, like that's been such a big disappointment, even though the offense was bad last year. I thought O'Brien coming in would solve some of those issues, and it doesn't really feel like it, it did. I mean, there, there's times when they look better than they did last year, but they're just not – they're not clicking on all cylinders. They don't have, you know, you know, a, sort of a group of players who they can go to to, to make big plays. Everything's got to be a long drive. I know – Stevenson had the long touchdown run, but they sort of lack explosive plays in general. And, you know, every game feels like, you know, like, like they just can't do it. They just don't have that. Um, they don't have that, you know, ace in the hole move that gets them out of tough spots. And so it's, it's, it's just really hard to watch right now. Um, for me, it's pretty simple. This is what they are the rest of the year. We talked about it. Before the trade deadline, they probably weren't going to do anything. They didn't. Um, and now it's just they are what they are. And the, the worst part is there's still eight games of this left. And it's not getting any better. The schedule, uh, technically speaking, is somewhat easier. You have you know Indy this week. I don't think they're going to beat Indy. Um, you were supposed to beat Washington. You were favored. Um, and you got thoroughly outplayed for the entire game um, by like a two-to-one margin, especially – in the first half. And um, the more alarming thing for me was yesterday, John, you pointed out, and I looked at you twice. There were two drives in the first half where they went three and out and took 43 and 41 seconds off the clock. 
what, what's the point of even putting your offense on the field if that's the kind of rest you're going to give your defense, who, by the way, hasn't been good. Obviously, they lost, you know, two of their key players, but um, all around, it's just this is what they are. They are not good, as John said and wrote today. And uh, talk about a terrible time to have to fly to Germany. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to the, the craft video as well. But um, this is only going to get uglier. There's no way this gets any better before it gets worse. And um, the fact that Bill Belichick was even asked about his job security this morning, it's just wild that we're at this point. I never thought it would get this bad post Tom Brady, but um, you are now a team that other teams are circling on their schedule. So, um, and again, I never thought we'd be covering this, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, look, the 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 hard facts are that they are not a good football team, okay? Has Belichick tried to fix this and make it better? Yeah, he spent money again this offseason. We already know he went on a shopping spree two years ago. He's thrown money at this thing. They've tried to draft differently than they have in the past, focusing more on athleticism and speed, trying to get with the times, if you will, and it hasn't worked. And do I think they got thoroughly outplayed yesterday? No. In fact, I think they – they had a very good chance of winning that game. They didn't get thoroughly outplayed. I think the bottom line is, once again, the problems that they've had all year continue to rear their ugly heads. They can't stay on the field on offense. You mentioned the two possessions that were less than in 42 seconds. You you can't get off the field in key situations. Yesterday, couldn't get off the field on third down. On a third and 23, you give up 24 yards to a quarterback who's not a runner per se. He is athletic, but he's not Lamar Jackson. You go offsides on a fourth and two. This is a team that lacks talent. This is a team that lacks discipline. And this is a team, to be quite honest with you, that I think being around them enough now, you get the sense that there is a little bit of a checkout factor there now. And this week will go a long way in telling us what the rest of the season is going to look like and if, in fact, they are checking out. Because – when you look at the, the vibe in that locker room yesterday, it was really interesting. It was definitely the vibe of a losing team. They lost. But, you know, I don't want to – to me, I didn't get the vibe that everybody was equally upset about it. Let's put it that way. So, for me, I just think it's one of those things with where we have to accept what this team is. They're not very good. They're not very talented. They don't have skill guys that can separate. They don't have a quarterback who's consistent. And they have a defense that bends a little more than you like. Do they break? Not all the time, but they bend way more than you want them to. So for me, I think if you if you can find a way to get five wins out of this team, it might actually be a good coaching job because, again, they'll be competitive. They'll be in games, as we've seen, but they don't have the kind of players you need to get over the top and win these games. And so – Again, we're going to continue to have the same conversation week in and week out. What's next? And as we get closer to the end of the season, that question is going to be asked in greater detail, right? What's next? What does the future hold? I got to tell you, looking at poor Bill Belichick, and I said this to you guys before we went live, he has aged a lot this season, in my opinion. I mean, he's 71, 72 years old. He is looking older. This season has aged him. So I think it's one of those situations where, Again, there's going to be some hard decisions that have to be made at the end of this season, and it'll be interesting to see what the direction of this franchise is. Real quick, I want to move off of yesterday's game 
kind of look ahead to the Colts game here. Of course, they're going to be leaving on Thursday night for Frankfurt, Germany. They're playing the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday morning at 9.30 local time. Um, beginning of the year, we thought that this might be a winnable game. Not so much anymore. Indianapolis is coming off a double-digit win at Carolina. They're playing pretty well despite Anthony Richardson being out. That skill group has played well. They've gotten a lot out of Zach Moss. That defense has been better than expected. The Patriots should be underdogs in this game. All of a sudden, what appeared to be a winnable game is now a game that you've already said yourself, Stone, you don't think they could win it. Now, all of a sudden, this is a game that they're going to be underdogs in. And quite frankly, I think it'd be a mild upset if they did win it. Yeah, yeah I, no, I agree. Go ahead. Sorry, no, I agree. And um, for me, it's at two and seven, what do you have to play for against a team that's four and five and has a chance to get to 500 and stay in their division race? Um, Indy has so much more to play for in this game. And I think the worst part for Belichick and just the, the organization in general is there's a lot of, you know, quote unquote, important people flying out with the team and going to this game in terms of advertisers and um, and all that sort of stuff too. So what kind of product are you going to put out for an international audience when you're trying to sell, you know, the franchise as a whole in general? Um, it's just, and again, I go back to the video of the crafts talking in the box yesterday with Jonathan clearly saying we're not good enough. And I think right before it, he says to Robert, I don't know how you can watch this. Um, and again, that's guessing of course, but, um, fans share the same sentiment. John, we were there yesterday. There was a lot of empty seats, um, especially up top, and even in the first, you know, hundred sections uh, in the end zones, there were there were rows of empty seats. So this is all going to keep rolling downhill, and now you're doing it on a much bigger stage. Sure, a lot of people might not wake up at nine thirty to watch Patriots Colts, but nonetheless, you are the show up until the one o'clock kickoff. So. Um, it's a bad spot, and I have no faith that they win this. It's funny. One of the things I think about that is just like the huge chasm between the Patriots with Brady and the Patriots now is like when they got the ball back and they were down against Washington, if that was a Brady team, oh, of course they'll drive down and score a touchdown and win the Of course. We, like, I think Patriots fans came to expect that. They became a little, you know, uh, depend on stuff like that. When when now, now when they get the ball at the end of the game, it's like, what are they going to do to screw this up? Like, how are they going to botch this? And it's just so crazy how, how it's gone from one to the other in just a couple of years. And it's, you know, I, and I don't think it's just a Mac thing. Because I don't think it was his fault that last interception was obviously Smith Schuster's fault. But you just think like, man, they just can't close out a game. They it's like they forgot how to win. And so, you know, I'm not sure what you know, this thing with the Colts, I mean, I would be surprised either way. I, I guess I'd maybe be a little bit more surprised if they win. It's just the bad feeling around this team right now is hard to shake. Yeah, and I think look Again, you hate to beat the dead horse here, but they are what they are. And, you know, you mentioned that last play of the game. Smith Schuster, to his credit, he he put it on himself. He admitted that it was on him, that he didn't make the play. The ball got tipped up and it got picked. And, yeah, you're right. You can't put that one on Mac. But I still think at the end of the day, Mac still missed a, a bunch of throws yesterday or or 
made some throws more difficult than they needed to be. In the first quarter, he misses Tyquan Thornton open for an easy first down. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to be better. Again, here we are praising him for taking uh, accountability of what's going on. But then yesterday he talks about how he has no regrets and how he, he's critical of the system. So don't tell me that he's being responsible and taking responsibility for his play and the play of his teammates. And then he turns around and he says, well, he has no regrets and, you know, that that the system is an issue. I, I, I just think to me, again, I think he's showing a lot of immaturity at times and that's a problem. And I think that, again, I don't know how much his team wants to win anymore. Jack Jones, J.C. Jackson, don't even talk to the media yesterday. They leave. I, I, again, I think that this that that the losing is starting to now wear on this team, and they're starting to show that they're not capable of handling it. Not only that, but um, again, you have ownership now who clearly needs to start making some decisions, and I still don't think it's going to happen in season. Although, if you get embarrassed this weekend. I, even I'm starting to think maybe that's the only way it happens is if, again, you lose on a big stage um, in, a, in a similar fashion, maybe to the Saints game. Um, but other than that, I, I do think Belichick is here. But how many how many more times can you go through the same thing and as a player keep showing up to work every week with a positive mindset or, or a willingness to work? And again, I get it. They're professionals. They're making millions of dollars. But you start to see the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, too. Like, we're in November. We're around the holidays. We've talked about that Christmas Eve game. You know, stuff like that. That checkout fact is real, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, and here's the thing about this situation, though. But when you are as, total, as totally in charge as Belichick has been for every football decision from the minute he got here till now, you get a lot of you get a lot of praise when you're doing well, best coach ever, all this. But when you're doing this badly, it all the all the fingers point back at you, because you 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 have your hands in every single decision. So that's you know I mean, I, I'd love to see them like rally a little bit, but I don't think he gets canned during the season. I just don't see it. I think he I think. If if it continues like this, it's it's hard to not see him getting fired at the end of the season. Just because, look, like I said, he was part of he's part of every decision. This this failure is more on him than almost anybody else. And so I just think, I you know, it's so strange that he's it's gotten to this point. I just, but I just feel like you know, it, it is more his fault than anybody else's. And I think it. I think we're still looking at something happening at the end of the season. I mean, but I don't think this is a call that Kraft wants to make. You no, know? and I, I don't think he'll fire him. I still think it's a mutual parting at the end of the year. Okay, maybe, yeah, yeah. I so. just think this is too hard a decision for him. And, of course, it was a report over the weekend that he has his eye on Mike Vrabel again. I, I Whatever. I don't believe any of that. Mike Vrabel is employed by another team in the league. So – you know, could it be possible that he likes Mike Vrabel and could see him as a future Patriots coach? That's fine. I've said all along, if you're going to move on from Belichick, I'm fine with it. It's got to be a clean break. You can't, you can't hire someone who's currently on the staff or someone who played for him. That's not a clean break. You're just looking to continue 
what he established. So for me, if 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 you pursue a Mike Vrabel or you hire someone currently on the staff, I'm not sure, or you hire anybody that was here previously, I'm not sure that you're actually truly committed to moving on from Bill Belichick or or Bill Belichick's philosophy. So we shall see. You are watching the New England Football Show, sponsored by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. Just want to remind you that you, if you are in the market to sell your current home or buy your next home, give our good friend Herb Devine a call, 781-254-2846. You can also email him at situate.mortgageright.com. He has over 25 years of experience, and he can help you with the process to get you into your next home call or email Herb today. We also want to wish Herb and his Situate sailors good luck this weekend as they take on the Holliston Panthers in the second round of the Division Four playoffs. All right, gentlemen, let's talk some college ball here. I'm going to start with Boston College. Big win on Friday up Friday night up at Syracuse, 17-10 win. And look, to me, this was a gutsy win. This win might have been their best win of the season because you had some injuries, you had guys go down, but it shows you how far this team has come that they're able to overcome those injuries, pull this game out in the process. They're bowl eligible, and albeit a long shot, they're still in the title conversation in the ACC. You got it, Kev. Sorry, you broke up. Um, so, look, I was down there today, and um, I asked Jeff Halfie point blank, you know, what does it mean to him to not only be bowl eligible, but to do it his way still? His message has never changed. His demeanor has never changed. And that's probably the most impressive thing. And the guys have always been behind him and kind of always bought in to his message. And to see them, you know, turn around the way they have, sure, Thomas Castellanos is a huge, huge reason why. And the offensive line has, has taken receipts all season long, and they've been phenomenal. But to see a team buy in and continue to buy into the same message to me, that's the most important or most impressive part about this entire turnaround. And they're not done, and they don't plan on being done. Again, it's you know it's cliche, and you know we want um, we want to win more and and all that. And they talked about getting to a a better bowl today. Um, of course, the quarter is still open, although it's this past weekend. And I asked um, about you know in terms of his team sort of um sort of talking a lot about the path you guys lose me sorry no you're still here okay no my my connection's messed up um sorry about that um they they talked a lot about the path after the game and i was very surprised um for a team that's very day-to-day oriented they were all talking about it including halfway and he talked about that today he said look it's November, and we want kids that want bigger goals. So, um, again, the entire turnaround is its a pretty crazy story given how bad it looked earlier in the season and, and how many people wanted him fired. So um, a credit to him, a credit to the staff, and uh, I do think that they're going to get to nine wins. I see them running the table here, and um, they might end up with 10 after a bowl game. So, um, again, just a credit to, to everyone involved for kind of staying the course and um, especially Halfley for kind of not changing who he is because and John obviously not at the same level. But when you're being criticized, it's pretty easy to to try and you know change some things up and and stuff like that. He's never done anything like that. 
he's been the same guy. So um, it's impressive all the way around. Yeah, and, and Kev, if they win nine games, you'll have the all-time pick of having picked them to go nine and three, and they will start off one the and two. Was, What's that? The message boys going to be very afraid. Uh, I, will, I will keep receipts on that. That's hilarious. I think it's just great. I mean, I think um, one of the things that's so crazy about this run, I mean, there's a ton of things that are crazy about it, but out of their six wins – Five of them were by three to five, three to seven points, like one score, five or one score games. And they won five of those games. And then um, the other, the other game, the Georgia Tech game was only two touchdowns. So you're looking at like a team. I mean, listen, I mean, half these attractors were all over the place earlier in the year. This is a well-coached football team. I mean, easily right now that to, to turn things around like that at the college level when when you're dealing with you know kids basically you know adults but kids because they're still in school for them to turn it around like that and keep their guys in it like he's been able to do that's just a wonderful coaching job and i think he should get some acc football uh coach coach of the year votes by the end of this especially if he wins wins out and it's possible i mean Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh are both having really rough seasons. And Miami is talented, but they're sort of all over the place. Uh, you know, they lost to a Georgia Tech team that uh, that BC beat. I mean, and if, if they get to 9-3 and three after that start, how is Halfley not coach of the year material in the ACC? He's got to be. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to, to watch this all play out down the stretch. Wouldn't it be something – after losing that Northern Illinois game to bounce back and win nine games, it would be an incredible story. And, and look, I'm not as bullish as stone on the nine wins. I still think they haven't played fully up to their potential yet. I mean, I think the closest we saw was the Florida state game, but if they play like that, yeah, that they'll win out. They'll win nine games. Uh, I still think this, you know, we're going to see something along lines of an eight and four, nine and three, but regardless even if they don't get to an ACC title game, if this program were to go eight and four, let's say, let's say they lose one of these three, and you end up in a pinstripe bowl or a bowl that has some cachet, that's a big deal for this program. And, and it'll validate Jeff Halfley and the staff and what they've been trying to do. Let's not forget that Halfley hasn't had the easiest path. No coach has since COVID, okay? And I'm not making excuses for him, and we're not trying to defend him here. But think about it. He gets hired in December 2019. Then COVID hits, affects recruiting, that COVID season. they It took them a couple of years to bounce back from that. And, yes, he's had some staff upheaval and some staff changes. But you can tell, and we've said this all along, that this team wants to play for him. They believe in him. They believe in the philosophy. And I think that belief is starting to pay off. And, and again, I'll say it again. The move to Castellanos, that was a gutsy move when they made it. It was a move that I think a lot of us were critical of because we felt that M.M. Moorhead didn't get that opportunity, but you've got to give them credit. That move has paid immense dividends. It's been the difference. Castellanos has been that good for them. So, you know, at the time when, when he made the decision early in that Northern Illinois game, we all thought, what the hell is he doing? Why would he bench Moorhead? But obviously they knew a lot more than we did 
they went with with their gut, and that move paid off for them. And now they they face the possibility of winning nine games and getting to a pretty good ball game. So it'll be interesting to see. And of course, you'll be there on Saturday, Kevin against Virginia Tech. Go ahead, Adam. I just wanted to say, even if they just get to eight wins, that's huge. Because the last time, as everybody knows, and we talked about this a ton when Adazio was here, the last time they had eight wins, 2009. 2009. If you're able to get to eight or nine, if they went out the regular season and then a bowl game, that's a 10-win season. So, I mean, just such a huge turnaround for this program. The way they were able to stick it out and fight for every yard and like you said, Castellano, that decision was huge. And then, you know, I, I guess the big thing is guarding him from going into the portal, you know, and going somewhere else. I guess that's what happens now. Um, but just a tremendous performance by him and by the whole rushing attack. And just to add on to that, to your point, John, first, um, going to Castellanos, we talked about this a week or two ago. Halfway admitted they'd never seen the kid throw aside from like 10 times on film um, because all of his film was was rushing. So I think they kind of knew they had something in camp. And again, I, I kept saying, you know, I kept mocking people on message boards saying that they had heard, you know, about Castellanos pushing Moorhead. But again, like you said, clearly they knew something. Um, but to give him that, that opportunity is huge. And he's only going to get better. Like as a passer, he's still not great. Um, decisions aren't great in his arm could still use work. So um, the fact that he has that much more to go should scare the hell out of the rest of the ACC. In terms of keeping him, he's a guy that other guys on the portal might want to play with. So you have to do everything in your power to keep him away. And again, if Zay Flowers got offered six figures last year, this kid's going to get offered millions by someone. Um, if not, I wouldn't say millions. That's a stretch. But so, he, could get, he could get offered money. Yeah. So uh, they're going to have to do a lot to keep him around. Um, but again, and, and Adam, to your point, eight wins for anybody at this level is impressive. But if they run it off and they do it by, you know, um, a six, seven, eight game win streak, that's even crazier given how hard it is to win any week in Division One football. So, um, and, and real quick to uh, Matt Applebaum, um, I know the offensive line is now healthy and there's a lot more depth there but he got ripped before he even did anything when he came back. So I'm happy for him um, because that offensive line is one of the best in the ACC and arguably one of the best in the country. They are now a top 10 rushing unit at the very least. Yeah, no, he's done a good job. And, and, and again, it helps adding guys like Kurgle and Taylor. We talked about that last week. That certainly has helped. And, and it also helps that the young guys grew up and it also helps. And probably the biggest move, was having Christian Mahogany back. So, you know, again, I think that the offensive line has been terrific. I think Coach Applebaum has done a great job. They're in a good place. Again, if you run the table here these next three weeks, you finish 9-3, and three, and let's say you end up in a pinstripe bowl or or, or even a, a more higher-profile bowl than that. I mean, again, I think it's pretty good for this program, and I think it sets up Jeff Halfley and this staff to now lay that foundation that they've been wanting to lay here and, and build the program the way they want to build it. Holy Cross picks up a big 28-21 win over Lehigh. The Crusaders are actually still in the hunt 
for a Patriot League title. Jordan Fuller had a massive game, over 200 yards, rushing and two touchdowns for the Crusaders in the win. And Stone, you've done the math. Do some Holy Cross math for us here. I mean, I know that you're not a Holy Cross graduate, but do some Holy Cross math for us here. Can they still win the Patriot League, realistically speaking? Well, more importantly, I am not a math guy by any means. Um, there's a reason I got Neither into writing. That's why I taught history. No, I would say, Adam, I'm sure you can attest as well. Uh, there's a reason we write for a living. But, uh, look, it's pretty simple. If they win against Georgetown two weeks from today, uh, from today, from Saturday uh, on the 18th, uh, they at least clinch a share of the Patriot League. Now, Lafayette also has uh, a tough Fordham team this weekend, and then I believe Colgate to end the year. So they could still end up uh, clinching the title outright if Lehigh loses, or excuse me, if Lafayette loses at least one more game. So um, the crazy thing is how they're doing it. This past weekend, the defense was much better, um, but they're now doing it with a backup quarterback. Matt Sluka didn't play again. Joe Pazanski went on the road and won another game. Um, Sluka did rush one time on a game um, game clinching 13-yard drive for a, a first down on third down. That was his only play. Can I ask, not to cut you off, but do we have yep. any insight on what's going on with that? Is he hurt? He's hurt, but um, it's funny because last Tuesday during his regular press conference, um, Jesse said he'd be good to go. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's more precautionary, but they're not in a place to really be you know, cautious right now. They need to win every game. So it is a little bit weird. I do think it's one of those things where they believe in Joe Pazanski enough and he's been in the system long enough and they trust the system itself enough where they're okay with, with not riding with Sluka unless they absolutely have to. Um, they're at Army this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if he sits again. Again, every game matters, but this one really doesn't in terms of the Patriot League and the FCS postseason. So it is a weird situation, but um, the defense is getting better. There's 11 freshmen on defense at, um, at any given time um, during various points of the game. So it's not the same Holy Cross team, but it's the same mindset, the same, the same sort of formula that's worked for them. Um, and it's still working. So much like Jeff Halfley, Chesney deserves a lot of credit. Um, I know he's got a Jacob Dobbs and a Terrence Spence back there on defense still as veterans, but um, to do it with this many young guys, it's impressive. I think it's great. I, I think it speaks to how um, Chesney has recruited. I mean, he's got a, he had a reputation even before he came to Holy Cross as a guy who knew how to recruit really well. Um, got just guys I talked to at other games. They they were just talking about how good of a the how good the guys he was bringing in were going to be. And this is fully his team now. There's not. I don't. I don't think there's any holdovers from a previous regime. I mean, I think it's been too long for that. Uh, even with the, you know, um, with the COVID stuff. But um, I. I just think everybody that I've ever talked to about Chesney as a recruiter, they've said great things, and he's really proven it. I mean, like you know, they lost a lot of rushing uh, yards to graduation, and Fuller has come in and been a stud. I mean, a really, and I don't think. I don't think he had a ton of D1 offers um, coming out of governors, um, but he's clearly a you know a great player for them. 
and they just play a good, hard-nosed, physical style of football that's fun to watch, and recruits catch on to that. Yeah, and I think, look, they've done it the old-fashioned way all year long. They pound the ball, and as 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 much as their defense has struggled at times, they've also leaned on their defense at times, and their defense has stepped up. So they don't they don't win the easy way. They don't make it look pretty. There's nothing sexy about it, but it's effective. They get the job done, and they win games, and somehow they find themselves in the Patriot League hunt still, and if Lafayette loses and – they beat Georgetown, they end up winning the Patriot League, and they host a playoff game, which is hard to believe a couple of weeks ago when they lost that game to Lafayette in the rain. Kevin, of course, you were there for that one. Bryant had a big game this past weekend, losing a heartbreaker to Gardner-Webb, 45-44 in overtime. It doesn't mean that the Bulldogs are eliminated from contention in the Big South OVC, but it certainly doesn't help their cause. I've never covered a team – with worse luck in overtime and close games. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what Chris Merrick has to say tomorrow. And it's it's funny, you know, two weeks ago after they lost to uh to Eastern Illinois Illinois on a um, on a two point conversion after they kicked a PAT in overtime, Merrick said it's probably gonna change, you know, my decision making. So sure enough, in overtime this this past weekend, went for two, didn't get it, and lost on a PAT. So um, just brutal luck all year for them. If nothing else, they're in every single game, which is what we've said about them for two or three years now. But um, just brutal luck overall. Yeah, I think, Kev, you said it. It's um, it's one thing to be competitive in these games. It's another to win them. And that little sliver of a difference there can mean the world. Um, so I still think Bryant's a good program. I think they're a good team. Like you said, Kev, they just got to win these close ones. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been an up-and-down season for them. They've, of course, they had the big win down at Princeton. They've been in a lot of games. They've been in a lot of high-scoring games. Uh, but I think in the end, again, credit to Coach Merritt for saying, you know what, the heck with it, we're going to go for the win. But I think that, um, you know, for this program, given where they're at right now, of course, they're going to the CAA next year, be nice for them to leave with a Big South title. I mean, again, there's still the possibility, but now a lot of things have to happen for them. UMass has now won two in a row, fellas, after beating Merrimack 31-21. And look, you know, when you look at the stat line, Greg DeRoges had a big game, 10 carries, 162 yards. Uh, he had a couple of touchdowns. And then, of course, Karon Adams, uh, Karon Lynch-Adams had another big game. It, it, typical UMass now, you know, we've come to expect this from them. They're going to pound the ball. They're going to, they're going to lean on their running game. And when they need their defense to make a play for the second straight week in a row, defense makes that play. They need late in the game. They get the dub. They have a bye this week, but all of a sudden now UMass is three and seven. Yeah. And you know, I'd love to see them keep winning. Um, it's funny how you, you see some of these guys grow up from, high school recruits to college players. I remember seeing Greg DeRozier's, I think it was in 2018 when, um, no, it was 2019. They played BB&N uh, in Cambridge uh, at the Cambridge High Field. Uh, I think it was Russell Field. I, I forget the exact name of it. But, um, it is Russell Field. I've coached here. In yeah. fact, fun, fun fact – in 2005, Brian Lee's first year at KP, we played them over there on a Friday night. 
I'm in the press box. I drop the headset. It falls all the way down, smashes into a thousand pieces. So <laughs> that's my memory of Russell Field and yeah. Cambridge. But that game was one of the best games I saw that year. And um, there was like a, I don't think it was a reverse, but it was like sort of an end around or a jet sweep to DeRozier's. And he just put on the, you know, he hit the gas pedal and like sped down the sidelines to into the end zone for a touchdown. And I remember thinking like, this kid just makes plays, man. And he's so fast. And he's even fast for a college player. Uh, it's not like he's just a fast Massachusetts high school football player at Belmont Hill. I mean, he can really motor. And so I love that they got him involved. I love that UMass won again. Um, I do feel like you're seeing some progress with this team. You, need, you had the injuries to Fomachon earlier in the year. I don't know if he's healthy now or if he's just playing like he's healthy, but his presence means a lot to this team, I yep. think. I agree. Um, and so I, 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 I kind of wonder what their record would be if he never got hurt. Um, but anyway, it's good for the fans, for UMass, to see some progress. They're getting better. You know, three wins. they got a nice little winning streak going now. Um, so I, I'd like to see them keep it going. I think it's been – it's been just a hard road if you're a UMass fan these last, you know, 10, 11 years. It's been whatever it has been. Um, but it, it was really good. It was really good to see Greg DeRozier play well. He's a very good player. Um, and he was somebody who in high school you could tell was going to be a good college player. Yeah, and again, it's one of those things that for me – to your point, Adam, you got to buy this. We got Liberty and UConn. Liberty's good. That's going to be tough for them to go down there and win. But UConn, we'll get into that game more. But that's certainly a winnable game. Go ahead, Stone. No, I'm just going to say two wins for the first time in uh, two wins in a row for the first time in five years. Oh. That's a huge step in itself. Um, but just in general, we talked about it last week. The fact that Don Brown's message got through and continued getting through, I think, is the most most important thing. And also, Steve Kusua deserves a ton of credit. He's had to make a, a lot ton. of different moves this year yeah. with a lot of different pieces. Um, so he needs his credit, too. And one more important thing about this past weekend, there's 14,000 people there. For this program to have that many people, you know, hopping on the bandwagon, is good to see. It is. It is. And look, we said this last week. If they could somehow find a way to get to four wins – I know that some UMass fans might say, well, that's that's not enough progress. That is progress. That is meaningful progress for a program, to your point, Adam, that has struggled the last 10 years. And you could build off of that this offseason. It's hard to build off of one or two wins, but if you could get to four, now you could build off of that. UConn had a tough loss this weekend, losing down to Tennessee, 59-3. to the, the numbers were not good. Taquan Roberson struggled. They couldn't really run the ball. We know how good Tennessee is offensively. Joe Milton and company put up 59. Now the Huskies come north. Well, they come north only to go back south. They travel down to James Madison this weekend. James Madison is undefeated. So another tough game for UConn. Shout out to uh, Tom Fargo uh, of, uh, of the transcript fame and uh, Boston Herald fame for uh, – is James Madison uh, Dukes <laughs> uh, co coming up big? But uh, again, like 
if you're UConn, you just got to find positives in this season. You got to find, you know, find ways to, to be excited about UConn football again. It's got to be little things. If they can get the run game going again, that's something. It's just been given the expectations, and I thought our expectations were kind of fair, you know, given the season they had just had. But now it's like you just really have to reset, get that running game going again, and see if you can win a couple games here at the end of the season and then just close the book on it and look forward to next year. I keep saying it every week. They skipped a step. Like everything that's happening this year probably should have happened last year. They just caught lightning in a bottle, in a bottle pretty much right around this time when they got hot and um, they're paying for it now. It's everything that has that could go wrong has gone, you know, pretty wrong for them. So um, again, I just keep going back to this is all part of that rebuilding process. It just came a year after than we, you know, a year later than we expected. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're on to something with that, but I still think that this team should have been better than they are. And and, and I, I, I understand agree. what you're saying about the rebuilding process, but you don't go from six and six in a bowl game last year to this. Obviously, that there's been a ton of underachievement across the board. And I think that's what Jim Mora's frustration is. That's what the staff's frustration is. In my opinion, and I've maintained this all along, and Adam and I saw them in the spring, and then we saw them again in the summer. I think, to me, there's just too much talent on this roster for them to be what they are now. I would imagine after this season that you could see some changes, but this program should be better than they are. Even if it's two or three games better, the schedule set up for them to be better, to be more competitive. It just hasn't happened. URI had a bye week, main loss to Hampton, 42-35. Derek Robertson, by the way, main quarterback. He's had he's been on one hell of a run here. Had another huge game through for five touchdown passes. Of course, UNH loses to Villanova 45-33. Wildcats drop to four and five. And let's face it here, fellas. If you're a UNH fan, it's over now. Now you're just playing out these last two games. This week and next week, of course, the rivalry game for the Bryce Cowell Musket against Maine. You're just hoping to get to 6-5 and five in a winning season. I was bullish on the Wildcats last year. I was bullish on them again coming into this year. I saw them in the opener against Stonehill. They looked fantastic. I thought, all right, we're going to see another great year up in Durham. Hasn't happened. It's been a real disappointing season for this program. I think 100% it's been disappointing. I mean, even they, even after some early losses, if they could have just beaten Rhode Island and Villanova, they'd be fine. You know, they'd be sitting pretty right now. But it's honestly, it's just like I don't understand it because I do think they're more talented than their record shows. I I think they have the talent to be, you know, maybe a two or three loss team. Um. So I'm not sure what the you know, what the answer is, what, you know, where you go from here. But you do want to pick up the pieces, move on to next year. Like you said, that they're, they're not looking forward to any postseason now. They're just trying to play out, play out these last two games. And do it with pride because you you still – these are still games that matter and, and you try to get better. Um, but it's just yeah, – I'm just really surprised that it, the season has gone the way it has for UNH. 
the most surprising thing to me is the defense. And, John, you were on this early in the year. They just didn't look the same. This offense is putting up plenty of points and yards every single game. Max Brosman might be the best quarterback in the country at the FCS level right now, or at least in the top five or in that discussion. He leads in, I think, three of the major categories. So uh, the offense has done its job. It's the defense laying them down. But I will say this past weekend, I think they had something like six turnovers. Um, that's wild for a, a Rick Santos coach team. So just sort of a, a crap running downhill um, type of thing for UNH right now. And um, I do think they'll, they'll finish strong. I think they'll beat Maine, that, that offense again. That might be a shootout. That might be a hell of a game. But um, it, it's frustrating to see because, you know, they were so good last year and gave Holy Cross a real test in that playoff game. Um, they were a few plays away and maybe, you know, a bad weather day away from from going to the quarterfinals. So um, surprising to see them drop off this much and surprising, especially with the way the offense is played. Yeah, and the Ivy League race is going to be interesting to watch as well. I was at Yale, uh, Yale Brown on Saturday in Providence. Yale with a 36-17 win. Bulldogs improved to 5-3. and three. Bears dropped to 4-4. Four and four. Bulldogs are still mathematically in the Ivy League hunt. We're talking about a team that looks really good in person. They look really good in person. It was great catching up with Mason Tipton and uh, Nolan Grooms after the game. Uh, Harvard went on the road, beat Columbia 38-24. Jaden Craig settling in a quarterback. Another nice performance for him. Dartmouth had a big win on Friday night at home beating Princeton. Big Green is now 4-4 four and four ahead of this week's matchup at home against Cornell. But the Ivy League, it I mean, look, Harvard is seven and one and atop the league, but this thing's gonna come down to the wire again. They host Penn on Saturday. RJ Campbellton will be there for that. Penn is coming into the game at six and two. Yale travels to Princeton. That Harvard Yale game in a couple weeks could once again decide the league title. Yeah, and it sort of highlights um the annoyance we all have with the FCS, you know, post postseason and Ivy League teams not being involved. Um, whoever wins this league probably should be at least, you know, in that conversation. Harvard, as it is, is ranked 19th right now. Um, but Dartmouth deserves a ton more attention than they are getting, at least in my opinion. What Sammy McCorkle has done this year, given the circumstances, Amazing. Yep. It's, it might be one of the best stories in the country at either level. Um, and again, that, that's my opinion, but um, what a job he's done in uh, they have a clutch freshman kicker right now, too, Owen Zalk, who is just nailing 47-yard field goals for game winners like it's his job every week. So It is um, his job. Well, true. That's, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> that's true. Um, but just in general, they need to – they deserve a lot more credit than they are getting and a lot more attention because, again, that this season, it would have been very understandable if they sort of, you know, not mailed it in, but – um, sort of had a rough go of things given everything that's happened. And it's been um, it's been anything but. But they've played hard for McCorkle every week. They've had some emotional wins, and uh, they're a game out of first in the Ivy League with two weeks to go. So just a huge credit to them and um, to Coach McCorkle for what he's done. I agree that he's very well said, Kev. <laughs> it's funny that um, I just look at these standings, and there's four teams with two losses, and then Harvard four and one. 
It's like you could you could have a ridiculous tiebreaker scenario on your hands. If they it, it really is honestly the best race I feel since we've been doing this. I mean, has there been a better race year in no. and year out? Yeah. All the teams yeah. are the same. Yeah, like even even Brown. I mean, Br- Brown's two and three, but they gave Harvard everything they could in that game. It is truly there's depth, there's elite talent. It's a it's an unbelievable league to follow, and um, I think Harvard's doing great. I mean, it's I would love to see them win, you know, win it if they can can do it. I would. I mean, I think for for just for, for cleanliness purposes, you want to see one champion. But um, I think we could very easily have a very stacked up race at the end of this thing and see how it goes. But it's just exciting. And so, you know, am I still of the opinion that these teams should have a shot at the FCS playoffs? Absolutely. That would be what's that would be the best ending to all this is Harvard or Penn or Dartmouth or Yale or any one of these teams, Brown, whatever. If one of those teams got to go to an FCS playoffs, that would be awesome, and I would love it. But I'll say this. This is a great consolation prize to watch this race play out over the course of the season when you might have five teams with two losses or whatever it is. Um, I just think it's it's so much fun. It really is. It really is. It's it's. You know, I love covering college football here in New England. You know, obviously we cover the D1 programs. Um, although this weekend, Kevin, you were at the Assumption Bentley game. So um, we're also trying to provide more coverage for those programs as we move along here. But I definitely think it's one of those things where it, it this league, and, and Adam, I thought you said something that's very telling. A lot There's not a big separation talent-wise between these teams. They all recruit the same kind of kid. And so right. it's it, it really is It's an amazing race year in and year out, not the show. But it, but it, but it's great to watch it play out year in and year out, and it's always it always seemingly comes down to the last week or two of the season. So no one ever really truly runs away with it. And to Kevin's point, I still think it's a darn darn shame that the 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 winner of the Ivy League can't qualify for the playoffs. It's these presidents need to to get with the times and do the right thing. Do right by these kids. You allow these other programs to play in tournaments at these Ivy League schools. Why you don't allow football, which is your number one sport, the sport people know your league by, the fact that you don't allow your your league champion to get an automatic playoff berth, to quote Stone, is mind-numbing to me. And finally, in the NEC, Sacred Heart beat rival Central Connecticut State this weekend to pick up their second win there. So congratulations to uh, Coach Noffrey and the Pioneers. All right, gentlemen, final segment of the night. We're going to talk some high school football here, of course. First weekend of the playoffs in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire has come and gone. Uh, We're going to focus on Massachusetts, but want to get your thoughts on what you saw this weekend and what can we look forward to this weekend? Um, Well, the game that I saw on Saturday was – no, on Friday night. Uh, was Bishop Fian? I'm blanking on. Oh, uh, Conquer Carlisle, and the kid, the quarterback. Fian has a sophomore quarterback named Owen Mortis. This kid is so accurate with the football. He had a couple drops, 
He only threw like 10 passes. But he is so accurate with all angles of the field. Short, intermediate, sideline, deep pass, over the middle, seam routes, all this stuff. He 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 hits all of them. And, and I think he's an interesting guy to watch coming up because he's only a sophomore. He made the varsity. He just started on var, on the varsity baseball team as a freshman at shortstop. And that he, he and he sort of kind of has a baseball kind of throw to it when he's when he's tossing it, but uh, I mean it's just a tremendous player. Um, so I was impressed with him, and um, you know it was I saw and I saw Wellesley beat um, Belmont. Belmont on Saturday, and again Wellesley was sort of clicking on all cylinders. They called a great game offensively. They obviously played great defense too, and it was just so good to see. Wellesley, who started 0-3 to turn around their season and be one of the sort of the best teams. Uh, and a couple other results that I wanted to highlight. We had Tyler Amaral at that um, Stoneham at Abington uh, Division Six game. And Stoneham, the 15 seed, beat Abington. And we talk a lot on, on this show and other shows about how hard it is to stop the double wing. And it really it came to fruition um, on Thursday night, I think it was. Um, just a crazy uh, result there. And then um, Weymouth beat Lincoln Sudbury, I think, 20 to nothing. That was a game that seemed to shock everybody. Everybody that I talked to said, I didn't see that coming. So, you know, Weymouth, Mike Donovan has done a tremendous job in his first year at that program. And they're, you know, they've got they've got Andover coming up. I don't think they're out of that one either. I think they can conceivably win that game now. I think Andover's the favorite. And if I'm picking, I'm probably picking Andover. But just to see that Weymouth's this far along, John, I think you know this too. I feel like Weymouth's an underrated football town. Oh, very um, much so. They've yeah. got real tradition. I mean, they won a yeah. national championship in 1950. Um, they're one of the great programs in Massachusetts. And the fact – and the the way that Donovan has been able to bring this program back, they had some down years, and they're playing the way they are. They're in the playoffs. They're winning playoff games. They beat a, a legitimate top 25 team. I, I just think – what a great coaching job this guy has done. Tremendous. Um, Friday night I was over in Woburn. For uh, ten seeded Woburn, excuse me, ten seeded Westfield, and seventeenth seventh seeded Woburn, uh, Westfield was very impressive. Uh, and I I talked to Coach Parent, Rob Parent, after the game, and uh, you know obviously it's hard to deny. There's always a Western Mass bias around here. Uh, we're guilty of it sometimes as well, just coverage wise. And um, he said, look, of course there's a you know a little bit more meaning when a Western Mass team can go out and beat an Eastern Mass team. They might make a run here. And I know they have Phil Ricca, who is very, very good um, and seated second for a reason. They barely got by Plymouth South. Um, they needed overtime to beat the, the number 15 seed. So that's going to be a great game. Um, Division one, you have some great matchups, as we all sort of expected. You have the BC High, um, St. John's Clash, that will happen Friday night. Um, Springfield Central to Varian. Um, over in, and again, back to Division three. As well, you have teams like Walpole, Mansfield, um, Milford, North Attleboro, Milton, and Dartmouth. 
Um, just great matchups across the board. As much as we ripped um, the system last week and we spent plenty of time ripping it, it's produced some really good games early on, and um, I hope that continues this weekend. Uh, but it's it's getting down to, again, the, the best time of the year, and um, a lot of football towns are, are showing out as well. Um, everything I heard and saw this weekend, there were huge crowds everywhere, um, and that's good to see especially too. So um should be another great weekend this weekend. Yeah, no, there should be. There should be some great matchups here in Massachusetts. Some great matchups down in Rhode Island as well. Of course, the D1 playoffs kick off. Central Hendrick and LaSalle, North Kingstown. Get some really good matchups down there in D2 as well. Cumberland and Barrington among those that won last week. Of course, the D1 race up in New Hampshire is fantastic. You've got Pinkerton. You've got Bedford. you got Londonderry. It's going to be a fun finish up there as well. So, uh, we've got a, a great stretch of football at the high school level coming up in the next three weeks. It should be a lot of fun. All right, gentlemen, final thoughts here before we wrap it up. Go subscribe and hit up the store for Christmas gifts. 100%. And, um, you know, get get out the big parkas now. It's starting to get cold. Don't be an idiot and wear a T-shirt and have your, uh, you know, your iced coffee at the game, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Dress for the for the colder weather. It's it's, yeah. it's here. Now. Daylight savings has come and gone. The stupidest thing in the history of humanity. Now it gets dark at like three. Uh, make sure you have your parka, and you got to go now from iced coffee to hot coffee. So we are <laughs> we are officially in crappy weather season. It's only going to get worse from here, folks. That's what you have to look forward to. Can't wait to have to take out that shovel and shovel the first time. It'll be here before you know it. Some places have already seen snow. But anyway, gentlemen. Great job, as always. And as Kevin said, we appreciate your support as much as you can give us. If you can subscribe, go over to anyfootballjournal.com. Go over to the subscription button. Click on it. Go on and subscribe. For $2.99 a month, you get some of the best football coverage in the region. We know you have multiple options. We know that you have great writers here covering all our teams at all levels. We want to be a part of your rotation. If you can subscribe, again, we'd greatly appreciate it. Proceeds go towards providing more content for you guys. And as Kevin also said, with Christmas coming up and the holidays here, if you're looking for that special gift for a football fan, if they're a New England Football Journal fan, then go to shop NEFJ at anyfootballjournal.com as well. Click on there. We've got some great hats, some hoodies, some pullovers, uh, visors. We, You name it, we got it. So uh, check out our team shop as well. Again, all proceeds enable us to provide more content and we think we provide some of the best in the market. So uh, if you could support us, we'd greatly appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, as I said, great job as always. Let's do this again next week. All right. All right. That'll do it for this week's show. For Kevin Stone and Adam Kirkshin, I'm John Serenitas. Get out there and enjoy the football. We only have a few weeks left. You don't want to regret it come December. So get out there and enjoy the games. There'll be plenty of good ones this weekend. Until next week, peace. See you.